If this is your first time setting foot inside the Trimia River universe, you are very welcome. Sorry we're a couple of weeks late. I've been away on a 14-day marathon cycle up the west coast of Ireland and it was absolutely mind-blowingly incredible. I have so much I want to tell you about that trip, but I will save that for the next episode because we've already got so much to pack into this one. This is episode 8 of the podcast for any newcomers and we've got a superb guest joining us today. But, but, but before I introduce you to him, allow me to gently nudge you in the direction of our other podcast episodes. If you've missed any of our previous ones, we've got some fantastic chats on there featuring the likes of ITU triathletes Ben Canute and Russell White and eight-time Paralympic medalist Claire Cashmore, amongst many, many others, all well worth half an hour of your time and all available on both Spotify and Apple Podcasts. And as well as all that, you can find me on Twitter, at Try Me A River, and subscribe to my YouTube channel, again, simply called Try Me A River. And one of the things you will find on the YouTube channel now is the full video interview with today's special guest. And I feel it's only right that we devote the remainder of today's podcast to this man. His name is Yanis Christodoulou and he's an inspiration to thousands of triathletes. You'll learn lots more about Yanis by listening to our chat together. But here's a brief rundown. He's a running coach and performance analyst. He's the reigning national and European aquathlon champion at age group level. He loves triathlon and wants to help his many, many followers online fulfill their potential and achieve great things through the sport. And he's just a really sound guy. So I won't keep you waiting any longer. This is what happens when I spent a bit of time catching up with Yanis a few weeks ago. Grab yourself a coffee kick back and enjoy the next half an hour. I started our time together by asking Yanis how he got into triathlon in the first place. So in 2012, I I was inspired by Olympic Games. I was watching it on TV, triathlon, I had no clue. And I was basically inspired um, to do something. I couldn't swim and I wasn't running at all. So it really started just after that. um, September was when I started um, running. Uh, so I won't go through the long, long story, but so I started in 2012. In 2013, I did my first triathlon and I got injured leading up to it and I was convinced it was the bike. And I did one the following year, but I was injured again. I kept getting injured because of my, um, I, I think I didn't have the right bike set up and s- stuff like that. So um, I kept getting injured, nearly quit, but um, we come back from my honeymoon and on the day we came back, I said to my wife, I want to give an aquathlon a go. There's a local one up about 20 minutes away by car, I want to give it a go. Um, at the time, I was doing um, a sports study for um, a, a friend of mine uh, who's a very good runner, and he said to me, 
don't go and race because you're you're jet lagged and you'll get injured. But obviously, I didn't listen to him. I just wanted to do a bit of fun. I turned up to this race, didn't really have a clue what to do. Um, I had a wetsuit, never put a wetsuit on before, decided not to use a wetsuit. And um, turned up to the race, did the race, did loads of mistakes. One thing I, I remember tying my shoelace forever on the race. I came fifth overall, so I was really happy. And I was told that I wasn't far off the qualifying time criteria to get into the age group two team. So I sort of set my hearts on, on that. And then um, by the time it, that was in... Oh, that was in June, no, July, sorry. And then by the time we got to September, I was three and a half minutes quicker than um, I was back in July. So um, that is how I got into it, really. Brilliant. And you might have to describe this because people listening to the podcast won't be able to see what I'm seeing, but I, I can see some swim caps and medals behind you. Can you talk me through what's on the wall behind you there? Okay, I first see that. Um, that that's my wife's uh, finishing medal <laughs> for for London. Um, she got in the second attempt, and uh, she she doesn't run past half marathon, and she didn't think she could do it anyway. She did it, so a really proud moment. That was last year. So that that there is my debut for um, Great Britain in my age group. Um, it's not actually. Um, I came third in my age group, but that that's not um, that's a finisher medal on there. My my uh, medal is locked up in the cupboard. So yeah, it's got my name in there. There's a picture. My, my wife did this, and there's a picture of me on the finish line, um, holding my knees. Um, I had to sprint the last 400 meters to try and get that podium place. So yeah, that's my first ever race for Great Britain on there. Can you tell me what it felt like to wear your name? And GBR on a tri suit for the first time. A nervous wreck. <laughs> Is that right? <laughs> yeah. Um, obviously, you get you get the suit months before, and I, I couldn't believe it. Seeing your name on there, and then um, turning up to the race with like, um, I mean, obviously, I had the kit before, so I was really privileged. A huge honour. Like I never expected to um, to even well to represent Great Britain. So it's quite good, and it sort of really hit me on the day. Really. I, um, Turned up in transition and, and well, I was talking about that's my number from transition on there. Did when I went into my box, that sort of made me really nervous. And um, yeah, but apart from that, um, it, it was just a huge honour and privilege. And, and like you get this massive like high, but then you also get this high um, where well, this thing in the back of your mind that you don't want to let people down as well. I'd love you to tell me a little bit more about age group racing in general because. A lot of people listening to this, when, when we've been chatting to people who have maybe competed at ITU level or Olympic level, it's hard for us to imagine what that world might be like, because I guess a lot more of us might see as our dream something a little bit more realistic, which might be competing at age group level. And it's something you have, you've managed, but not only managed, but done really, really well at. What is it like to compete at age group level? Is there... A lot of competition because I guess all the people who have a job to hold down during the week and can only train at the weekends might try and compete at that sort of thing one day. Well, um, all races have been different, so it depends. Like um, my first race, uh, well, well, my second race at the World Championship was part of the World Triathlon Series. So you had all the pros, the elites. So you got to see people like Alistair Brownlee and Graham Jorgensen, people like that, um, and you get to see the race as well. It's like a carnival atmosphere. Um, most of the multi-sport events now that um, have split away from the World Triathlon Series, so you do get the odd races that go there. But um, you get these multi-sport events, so it's not just one event now. You get like the triathlon, you get long-distance triathlon, cross-triathlon, all these wide ranges. So it goes on for about two weeks. Um, you have a whole atmosphere 
atmosphere. Um, there's loads of things going on. So you have always, there's always team parades for different teams. Um, it's just a really good, like, good uh, feel-good factor. And um, you get to meet people. Um, I mean, the GB team is very friendly. And that, that, that's one of the reasons I'm, I really like competing for GB is because of um, they're really friendly and, and, and it's more of a, a team feel. Whereas you can go with other countries and you can see there's the odd one or two athletes. It doesn't feel right. But, um, yeah, so um, GB guys are really good, uh, a nice friendly you have other athletes and um, everyone's there everyone's friendly obviously race day everyone gets competitive um so it's a good like um, a lot of people use it stepping stones become like an elite or a pro it's it can be realistic to get in if you train for it i always think if, if you work hard at something you can certainly achieve achieve like a dream I, it, it is hard uh, sometimes um like my age group, for example, you have got elites from other countries or people that were pros have, have moved are now retiring and they're coming into the age group. So normally the um, 35 to 39 and the 40 to 40, 45 age groups are, are quite packed with elites and stuff. And it's um, very, very tough. Uh, when I made the jump, I noticed that. Um, yeah, I've made some friends, really good friends. Um, I'm competitive with them. Uh, I, I know like, I'm competitive against myself but it's it's a nice it's a nice thing and what what i like about it me and my wife like like about it is that we get to go to places that we probably wouldn't have gone to and um everywhere we've been we've had some amazing things i'll quickly go through them like the first time 2016 i went to chateaurus um three hours away from paris a tiny little town beautiful town and then i went to the world championships that year later on in cozumel mexico Probably would have never gone to Cozumel, but always wanted to go to Mexico. It's lovely. Um, the following year was, where was that? That was Penticton my, uh, in Canada. The most beautiful place I've ever been to. I recommend it to anyone. The race setting was just amazing. Um, it, um, a huge lake. I mean, Canada was just amazing. The best place I've ever been to. Bratislava as well was the European Championship. It was all right. It was a bit... Um, I didn't really particularly like the event because it was a bit of a, a hit and a miss sort of thing. They just set up thing. Uh, Richard Varga got it set up and it was, um, we turned up for the swim wreck and there was nothing there. And then the following day, everything was ready for the race. Um, so they did put a good event on. Um, 2018, we went to Odense in Denmark for the World Championships. A, a lovely place. Again, I wouldn't have gone there. I recommend it. We flew into Copenhagen and then went across the bridge to there. And then... At the end of that year was uh, Ibiza. They, um, I'm not into clubbing or anything. My friends always invited me to go there. And I, I wasn't in. Well, I, I like clubbing, but I wasn't into Ibiza. But went to Ibiza and it was off season. And it's actually, I, I was really surprised. I'd go again. Like how lovely it was. Good event as well. And then last year we were in. Oh, I'm trying to think where it was. Uh, Romania for the European Championships. I probably would have never gone to Romania. Probably would have never gone to this place. Lovely place again. So we do like a holiday out of it. So um, yeah, you get you get to meet people, you get to go out on meals and stuff, and you get to make friends. It's a huge honour and it's a good um, environment to be around. Yeah, and I guess that's a reason that a lot of people get into triathlon because they want to make friends and they want to try new experiences, see new places. That's fantastic. Yeah, and everyone's got um, got the same hobby, haven't they? So um, they're sharing the same interests and stuff. So it, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And your wife's keen to come along. Is she also a triathlete or does she just have to put up with your, <laughs> all your competition? 
she 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 doesn't do uh, triathlon. She did run a quathlon. Um, she found it really tough, but she enjoyed it. Um, she just runs. She likes to socialise, and so she runs in the same running club. But she socialises with people. But yeah, she's very supportive and supportive, and I'm very lucky. And yeah, she comes to every race and every um where everywhere we've been so far. She's been and um yeah, she's very supportive and. I'm, I'm very lucky to be honest and and she gets she gets to come on the annual holiday as well yeah she gets to come <laughs> on the annual holidays yeah <laughs> so yeah you competed at, at a very high level um so you've won the nationals twice and the europeans once and i came third on my debut i don't know if oh, that helps yeah <laughs> yes and you don't get that level of success without applying yourself to some quite committed training can you tell me how you managed to find time for the training and how you keep it interesting. Yeah, sure. Well, firstly, I didn't realise I was any good. I turned up to national championships two weeks before, I think it was two or three weeks before the Europeans in 2016. And um, um, it was my first big race, like a big race with people. Um, it nearly went wrong because someone hit my goggles out in the start line, just managed to pick them up, uh, pick them up put them on um, and carry on swimming. And I came third um, the nationals um, in my age group. So I was really really happy so I didn't expect to be um any good like anyway so um so the normal normal week um so I work Monday to Friday eight till four um office space I work for NHS as a performance analyst so I like to get in there early and because it's only 20 minutes from where I I live I can get into the gym by half past four most days or in the swimming pool by by half four so, um, for example, I got, do you want me to go through what I, not, I would normally do? Yeah, yeah, that would be great. Yeah, so, so, so after work, I'd be at, um, so on a Monday, I'd normally do a strength session, and I'll well, do a swim session, an hour to an hour and a half in the pool, and then I'll do a strength session as well in, this, in the same complex, and I'll be home about seven o'clock. On a Tuesday, I'd, I normally do a strength session, well, I would normally do a strength session at the gym, and then my running club is literally two minutes across the road. Um, so I, I go running with them on the interval sessions on the Tuesday. Wednesday, um, I come home, I do a session on the Watt bike. Thursday, I do um, a long run with the club, but I also do a, a long bike ride straight after work. So I do about an hour and a half. Then I do, um, I might run to running club, which is about two and a half miles away. So normally I might get three hours worth of training there. Friday, I do, um, I do a really hard session and that would be a hard bike session as soon as I get home from work for an hour and then I'll go and do interval sessions as well which will be quite hard as well so straight off the bike Saturday's a rest day regardless I mean complete rest don't do anything a bit of stretching and it's complete rest so we spend a lot of time together on the, on the Saturday whereas a lot of people would train on the Saturday I, I don't train because um my mentality is I normally like to have a rest on the Saturday because race day is on the Sunday so regardless if a race is on Saturday I'd have probably I would definitely have a rest on the Friday um, and on a Sunday, I do a, a, quite a big uh, bulk of my training. I get up early. I do um, nine minutes bike bike session, and I go straight onto the run. That can be an hour run up to uh, ninety minutes. And then in the evening, I um, when the pools open, well, or the sea, I go and swim in the sea or the pool for an hour. It's quite tough, but I sacrifice a lot during the during the week. But I still get a bit of a weekend, and I I get well, I get Saturday, and then I get most of the um, Sunday morning and afternoon and a bit of the evening and I can train late in the evening. Do you ever get moments in that busy training schedule where you think oh, I don't fancy it today and if you do get those moments what is it that keeps you going? 
Well, I, I, see, I, with what happened with COVID, um, as soon as they, um, as soon as the European Triathlon Championships um, was at, uh, well, cancelled for next year, I um, was still focusing on um, the national championships and the British Aquathlon Championships was the first one. That got axed a week afterwards, so motivation would have been completely low. So what I did was I, with my coaches, decided to give me two weeks easy week, uh, easy training, no plan, just do what I wanted to do. So I went running my wife for a couple of weeks. I didn't do much running, didn't do much, obviously couldn't swim, didn't do much um, cycling. So that's how I kept motivation. I came back and I wanted to um, go again because if you get injured, you you have bags of motivation, but you can't. Um, you know, um, so it's very, it was very similar. I had loads of motivation when I got back, but I wasn't injured. But you go chasing your fitness when you're injured. So what I normally do um, is uh, I'm very focused on my targets and goals. So if there's races on, I will, I will target them and I'll keep training and I'm very much head down. Now, there is days that I don't feel like it. And like everyone, like if it's chucking down the rain, for example, we don't want to go out for a run. I force myself to go out. Now, I always say to myself, like, just go out, like if you can. That's the first step. Go out, get off the couch, just go, um, and you'll feel a lot better. Now, I normally say, if you go out for 10 minutes, and if you don't feel great after 10 minutes, stop and come back home. It's not, it's, um, don't go chasing the session. Normally, you'll stay out later. Now, so I say, yeah, don't chase the session. And you, you've got to adapt your plans. Just because it's on the plan doesn't mean that you have to do it all the time. So I've gone out for a run, and I've gone like... Um, I've gone out for a long run and I felt really tired and I've, I've, I've been doing a zone two training, for example, um, in a heart rate. I've gone, I'm not feeling it. I'm like, okay, then I'm not going to chase a session. I'm going to go, um, I'm going to go slow, even slower down the zone one and I'm going to just really enjoy it. And that really helps as well. So you've got to adapt to training. Don't, don't push yourself. Um, and that, and that's the key really. Yeah, I think that's sensible. And it, it maintains that sense of enjoyment of the sport as well, doesn't it? Because if you're going yeah. out and it becomes a chore, then... That's the thing. If it, come, if it becomes a chore, then, then you're, li- you're living dangerous grounds, really, because that's when um, you, your hobby is no longer a um, mm. hobby and you're just going, going out to do it. And every, um, every session should mean something, so it should have a purpose. So you've got to think, if you're going out for a long run, why are you doing a long run? Because it improves your endurance aerobically, uh, aerobically improves you, but it also does make you faster. So people get... Um, their mentality they think oh i have to train hard all the time but you don't have to train hard all the time they thought unfortunately a lot of people fall into training overtraining because they either train too hard or they're um, training moderately now i train easy on easy days um zone two so it's easy and steady so and then on hard days i go really hard i don't have any moderate or because i know um if i turn up if i'm going to say oh, i'm going for a recovery one that's not going to benefit me i'm just going to knacker myself out so I've worked out the years what works best for me and like my coaches and I'm a coach as well. So um, everything like is like a jigsaw puzzle and it fits into a puzzle. So um, yeah, I, I definitely tell you motivation, you've got to have a plan. So, um, but don't, you don't have to follow it, but something that you can set some goals and you can work towards them. Triathletes are a notoriously prone to overtraining group of people. Like I, I guess they, they have that habit where they, they constantly want to get better. They want to get new gear. They want to keep pushing themselves. Yeah. What, what would you say are some of the big mistakes that triathletes and geoathletes, aquathletes, people doing multi-sport, what do you think are some of the big mistakes that they make? Firstly, doing too much too soon. Um, so that's the first thing. Be, um, be patient. Results um, come over time. Um, you can't do things 
um, you can't improve really quickly. You get people that like to race all the time. They like, to, and realistically, you can only really peak once or twice a year. So um, it's like when you do marathons. If you want to do math, try and get a marathon at a certain time. Um, you're not going to peak every marathon. You've got to look at a peaking cycle. So I normally have two key races that I'd, I'd peak for. Um, now you've got to, you've got to like make sure with your training, you've got to have cycles of your training. So people, they either ramp up and keep ramping up and get injured or they, they overtrain and they end up going backwards because they're tiring their body out. Whereas, well, I mentioned briefly, again, if you do easy training, that, of course, keeps you... Not only does it improve, you make you go faster and endurance because um, people think that if they go hard all the time, that they will get faster. But that's not, not the case. So if you do that, um, easy training. Not So I could run, say, t- today, I could um, tonight, I could run 13 miles at an easy, ste- um, easy steady pace at zone, zone two heart rate, for example. Tomorrow, I could run 20, uh, 400 meters at full pace, uh, full, like, um, really hard because... I'm still fresh from today's run. Now, people don't do that. They go hard all the time and it ends up becoming a burnout and or they get injured. Now, with your training, you've got to look at like if, at end of each season, I have two weeks off. No, I don't do any training. I let my body recover, rebuild. Um, I have one rest day a week, regardlessly, no matter what. If I want to take another one, I will do. Leading up to a race, um, I may have two, two rest days. Leading up to an important race, um, I taper. So it'll be a two-week taper, one-week taper. Um, lots of people make mistakes here because what they do is that they um, still do quite a bit of volume and then they drop the intensity. Now, you you drop the volume, but you also keep the intensity. So, for example, if you're doing, like, say, the week previous to the race, you're used to doing, say, eight 1K reps. I might do four 1K reps, but still got the intensity there and I'm still able to hit them hard. Need recovery weeks, which is quite key. Um, so I like to work some, uh, sometimes off six weeks blocks and then have an easy week. Um, people don't do that. They end up getting injured. So things like that. you just got to be very smart with your training and just be patient. The worst thing as well with triathletes is they only train their best part. They spend more time on their best element of the race, which is completely wrong, to be honest. Um, so this year, for example, I focused on more bike sessions. Now, my running is my strong point. I dropped a swim session because that's become um, stronger. I used to do four sessions um, and that's become stronger. And I found that I was able to actually hit good pace with three sessions. So I worked more on my bike over the winter to improve my bike, and I'll do that ne- uh, next year as well. And that's where I can make the biggest gains. There's no point training for um, your best element, for example. If I was trained for a run, I could, of course, I can get quicker. If I can get 10 seconds on the, on the run, yeah, that, that's a, that's, that, that is a big, um, a big block for, say, a 5K run. Swimming-wise, I might get five to 10 seconds, maybe. But if I work on my bike, on the, well, it's my weakest part, but I'm looking for about four or five minutes. So there you go. There goes your um. Th- th- there's your answer. So um, you always work on your your weakest part. Part. But people just um, triathletes don't. They they want to spend. If they're a really good cyclist, they spend a lot of time on cyclists um, on that cycling. I see it. I come off to the run and they're struggling on the run. So um, always say work on your weak point, not your strong point. What would you say to somebody like me who's quite sporadic with my training? So I am the sort of person who goes out for long, relatively easy cycles and 
goes for a run without much of a mindset as to what heart rate I want to be at. It's more just, I'll go and run five miles tonight. Do, do you think that plans are important when it comes to training? Yeah, if, if you want to improve and enjoy it, a plan is the way forward. Because purely you can see how far you've come. You can see what you do, uh, what works for you and what, what doesn't work. So you said a mention about a long bike ride. You might, you might do a long bike ride, but then the following week you might think, well, actually, I, I, what did I do last week? I can't remember. So um, to have a good structure, so you might be like, oh, I'll have this long bike ride and I'll go out for an easy five-mile uh, run afterwards. So um, I think it's important so you can enjoy it. Um, the reason I like multi-sport and triathlon, and this is the reason why I got into triathlon, was because um, running, I enjoyed running, but it was just one discipline. And that's why I got into swimming, because I used swimming to help my running originally. And you can cross-train, so that's, so no day is really the same. So when you're cross-training, it makes it more exciting and, and fun. And, and like you get different buzzes as well. So if you've, done, if you've done a good run, you get runners high. I know you get a cycling high, and, and then you... Um, you get a um, swimming high. So I've come back and I thought, like, I've had, I've had a, like a slow run and I'm like, oh, that's a really enjoyable run. I've, I've really enjoyed that. And then you come back and you do a hard session, you're like, oh, I feel really good. Like, so it, you get all these different highs and I think it's important that you mix it up, but it's, it is important that you have a training plan in place. Hmm. Who would you say is the sports person who has most inspired you? In, in regard to triathlon, I watched the 2012 Olympics and um, I saw the triathlon, I saw the Brownleys. I, I know people are going to say it wasn't them that actually inspired me, although I watched the race and it, uh, they, um, it was really good to see like, the brothers come first and third. I didn't have no clue what the race was about at the time. But um, when, when I started like, starting to try get into triathlons and the craplons, I started watching it and um, I was watching the women's races and um, what I was watch, seeing was that I saw, like, what I really inspired to was Gwen Jorgensen because she was, um, at the time, she was okay, okay swimmer. I mean, she, oh, I mean, she was really good swimmer, but she was okay swimmer, not the strongest in the pack, um, mid-pack, mid, mid uh, mid-pack on the bike, but... Um, her run, she was just so phenomenal. dominant on her run. Phenomenal, yeah. Um, and how quick she ran. She'd take minutes off. That that really inspired me, like, because I looked up to her and I thought, well, actually, I, I'm weak at the bike and I'm weak at the um, the swim, but I'm really strong on the run. And I knew I was really good at the run. So I, I, I was like, she really inspires me. So she's inspired me quite a lot. And, and she's quite like... I've seen her in races like live and I've spoken to her over Twitter and Instagram stuff. She's a really nice, like down to earth lady and a fantastic, phenomenal athlete. So um, yeah, she, she's probably the one that most inspired me. Yeah, I, I, I agree with you. I, I think she's, she's amazing to watch. And uh, when she was winning that 2016 Olympic race and she was in full stride and yeah, like shaking off some incredible athletes on the run, it was yeah. just, it's amazing to watch her in full flow, wasn't it? Yeah, I'll definitely. I mean, I'm inspired to Brownies. Like when I was in um, the um, the World Championships in 2018, the, um, the he was actually racing in the Aquathlon, um, the elite race, and he was in transition at the same time I was. And uh, I actually went up and took a picture of him. But um, that, I mean, it, they they've really inspired me. But yeah, she was the mo- the person that's really inspired me the most. Yeah, and she's a fantastic athlete. I've got a question for you. I want to ask if you could talk to your 10 or 11 year old self let's say you're about to start secondary school what would you say to your younger self what what the hell was i um walking cost country for <laughs> i love cost country now <laughs> 
I, I, I wish I, well, I'd say to myself, start now. I'd, I'd wish I um, was a lot younger. I mean, I'm coming to, um, in my mid thirties now and hovering over to the other side. And um, I started when I was 20, late 2029. 20, so yeah, I, I wish that I could tell myself to start young. And don't, and don't go chasing football, kick about with friends because it doesn't get anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> you mentioned that you work as a performance analyst and you also do a bit of coaching. Do you take pleasure from seeing other people improve as you coach them? I certainly do. I, I, um, so I'm, um, I'm the head coach of Canterbury Harriers at the moment. Um, I recently took over just before COVID. So um uh, so, but I always like to encourage people. I'm a positive person. I'm, I've got no time for negative people. So um, uh, I always encourage people and always being an analyst, always with myself, I look to see the improvement. So I like to see, I always say to people, they're new running, they've got um, a long road ahead of them of improvement. Yeah, so w with athletes that I do coach, I've coached um, a few age groupers and I uh, coached one lady, Gail Wright. She, she won't mind me saying her name. And she was at, um, was at the World Championships last year, the Craftron. It was her first ever one. She qualified, but I trained her for a running and she improved the running, got really strong. And she came um, at six in her age group. So she was really, really happy about it. And that was, that was good. Like seeing her and her family celebrating and being really happy about it. it was also made me feel happy and like the achievement. And um, I had another lady that I coached and um, she's a fantastic swimmer, but she'd come off the back of... Um, off the swim onto the run and she w was really struggling she said and would would get overtaken by lots of people and and mentally she said she was finding that tough and I worked on her running and she got stronger and um she was a lot um turned up to national she was really happy because of where she she finished um, she didn't expect it and she was a lot stronger on the run it, yeah it's really good satisfaction and I really like it and um it's something I'd like to do more in the future it's interesting hearing what you say about your approach being very positive. And I guess that's different from maybe how coaching was perceived in the past, where a lot of people would have tried to be hard taskmasters to almost frighten people into training harder. And I guess yeah, it'd be interesting to hear what are your thoughts on coaching techniques in that sense? Do you think there is any place for people being intimidating? I know it's not your style and it definitely wouldn't be yeah. a style I, I would respond so well to. But do you think there's a place for that or do you think? No, uh, I, I don't know. What, what are your thoughts? Well, see, I, I'm a different sort of coach. I like to be positive and I, um, I, I will tell people if they're doing their technique wrong and stuff like that. And But I'd, I'd work on them and say, look, this is what you need to do. Right? For me, personally, I, 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 um, I turned up to this master swimming uh, session because she she's, um, coaches GB swimmers. And my friend who nearly qualified for Commonwealth Games when he was back in his um, early 20s uh, went to college together he said to me go come to go and see her because I just got back in swimming she's really good turned up and this was just after I'd um, won the two bronze medals in 2016 for um, Europeans and the nationals and she basically said to me I was swimming I got in the lane with them and she said to me get out she says come here get out she's and she said to me your technique's rubbish have you got a coach in the moment? I said, yeah. She said, you need to sack him. You need to come here. She said, you need to come here regularly. And she said, see that kid's pool there? I said, yeah. She said, you're going in there and you're going to learn to skull before you start swimming. And she was actually brutal and she shouts and stuff. But I like that because she's actually really good and she means well and she's a really good coach. But some people are like that. 
and some people are, but some people, they go overboard. And yeah, I mean, at the end of the session, she said to me, most people don't take their first session very well and you did, but I'm there to learn. So it depends what, what you, what you want and depends on the individual as well. Like, I like to gauge the individual as well. Like when I'm coaching, um, but I'm, again, I'm, I'm more of a positive person and I'm more like um, filling them with positivity because I think that goes a long way. Last couple of questions, Yanis. Okay. Can, can you tell me what your big goals are for the coming year? So it's hard to know whether we're going to see any racing in the remainder of 2020, but even looking ahead to 2021, what are your big goals? Well, so this year was meant to be a really big year for triathlon um, for me. Um, it was my first ever qualification for the European Triathlon Championships in Malmo, which was in three weeks' time, which got um, cancelled till next year. Um, that's a dream come true because I always wanted to be in. It's so hard to get into a triathlon team and I just scraped in, so I was really happy. So that was going to be a big year. I was going to target the Nationals and the first British ever triathlon championship. I was going to do that. I wasn't going to retain my, um, go and defend my national championships for the third time. So I, I was going to tone down some of the races, but I was going to do more important races uh, with triathlon because uh, next year I was going to focus, um, uh, me and my wife are focusing on um, having a family. So um, I was going to have like a year out. So it sort of happened a year out this year without the family bit. So next year, um, all depends what happens. But my main priority is to target the European Championships, wherever it is. And this year I wanted to be in the top 10 and be competitive. Um, big ask. But next year, um, I've, me and my coaches decided that I am competitive, but I'm going to be try and be up there. So we get, I want to try and attack the podium places. So, um, so yeah, it's going to be triathlons next year. Not as many races as the previous years, but they're going to be um, more important races. And that's really my um, goal. And I, I've sort of, I'm focusing now on 221. I'm not, I've got, I think, two triathlon races in September that are going at, at the moment are going ahead. They go ahead. Yeah, I'm happy to do them. So I'm just going to go out and enjoy these races and just look to build next year. So um, I'm going to focus more on my cycling over the winter. As again, it's my weakest part. Um, and build the swimming and the running through the winter and ready for next year, really. We'll be cheering you on. <laughs> Thank you. Last thing I want to ask, what is your perfect weekend? Let's imagine you had a blank slate. You didn't need to worry about your normal training program. I could send you anywhere in the world. What would you choose? I'll go, go on holiday. I'd say I'll go back to Canada and just walk around that, that um, well, Vancouver or um, Penticton, where we were, just walk around there and enjoy it. But um, to be honest, most weekends I is normally training, or, um, but I do like the race buzz, so I would miss it. But a perfect weekend would be, I suppose, having a race on a Saturday, somewhere lovely ab abroad that I've never been before and enjoying the race and then um, on the Sunday being able to sightsee um, the area and really enjoy it um, that would be a perfect like with my wife and my family that'd be a perfect weekend. Yanis it's been an absolute pleasure chatting to you thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me on here. What a world-class gent Yanis is. If you liked what you heard there why not follow him? You can track him on Twitter at Yanis underscore 83. He posts loads of inspiring photos, videos and coaching tips every day and he's well worth having on your timeline. I hope listening to him today has given you that little boost you needed to go and chase new triathlon training highs and experience the thrill of the sport for yourself. 
not necessarily to be the best or the fastest triathlete in the world, but to take part in a way that makes you feel alive, that gets you invigorated, because that's what it's all about. That's why we do triathlon. (laughs) 